I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Megan Johnson. She's the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Jane. And on the show today, we talk about her um, despise, I guess, for eating fruits and vegetables uh, before we turn the attention to her finding her love of marketing in high school. And then we talk about Jane. We talk about Jane.com, their launch into social commerce, the social commerce landscape and the trends that she's seen, as well as what's working and what's not working for her, as well as advice for marketers. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Megan Johnson. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Alan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation, learning about Jane.com and and many other aspects of what you do. Um, But before we get started... You shared this interesting nugget with me that you do not eat fruits and vegetables. It begs the questions, one, why, and then what do you eat? So you are correct. I do not eat fruits and vegetables, and I have not my whole life. I would describe lettuce as crunchy dirt water. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And there's really no amount of dressing that will make me eat a salad because most friends are just like, we'll put some dressing on it. Yeah, that doesn't really help. To your question about what I do eat, I very much love me some protein, steak, chicken, fish, of course, you know, your occasional carb, uh, if you will. But I, I get asked often if I'm on the carnivore diet, 
But I guess if if that's a thing, which I hear it is, obviously, I've been doing it all my life. Maybe I started it before it was cool. I'm not sure. It's a weird, awkward thing. And, and I have tried as an adult to be an adult and try them and not be a two-year-old. But it, the consensus is I'm still out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, you to all those parents out there, you can survive and not eat fruits and vegetables. <laughs> you you really can. Like it, it works. <laughs> you're you're living proof that it's true. I am living proof. It's true. The, the funny part is we go to restaurants and you know, my husband and I order and then the waiter sets the salad in front of me and the steak in front of him, and then we have to switch. So it works out. <laughs> oh, a gender bias in food selection already. <laughs> it, it's too. so it, true. Yeah. So true. Man, that's hilarious. Cool. I, I, thanks for explaining that because I was like, what? How does that work? <laughs> How does that work out? Yeah. yeah. Well, so you're senior vice president of marketing at Jane.com. We'll get into Jane.com in a minute, but like, what's been your path? Like, where did you get started in your career and, and kind of what, what led you to Jane? I, I really fell in love with marketing and advertising in high school. Uh, I took an advertising class and asked my teacher, I was like, wait, people make money doing this? <laughs> this is crazy. Like I was always told doctor, fireman, right? You had your typical things. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I instantly got involved in high school. Like my enthusiasm for marketing took over. I was a cashier at a local grocery store and I'm sure my store manager may, may be appreciated at the time, but I would come in with all kinds of marketing ideas. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. And what about this? But he did actually implement a few of my ideas, even at my young age, <laughs> but I definitely caught the bug for sure. But that just really led me on my path to uh, all things marketing, if you will. I took a summer job as a marketing coordinator at a water park. And my boss at the time actually called me the idea fairy because really I was never short of ideas to, to bring. Like it was plentiful, if you will. Uh, in college, uh, I actually worked for various advertising agencies, just kind of testing out what I wanted to do. I was an intern, a production coordinator, you name it. I mean, I was doing it at the time. Um, what I loved about that experience early on and working for an agency, though, is I got to wear different hats, got to be with different clients, different marketing strategies, different types of things that people were doing. And I think that early in my career really well-rounded me, if you will, kind of seeing how things, how things worked. But obviously to say, you know, I was eager was really an understatement because I had a conversation with one of our clients, again, looking at what my career path would be and what I wanted to do. And they talked about actually going on the other side of the fence, right? And actually heading up and working in a marketing department for a company. And I thought, well, let's try that. That sounds interesting. And at the time, and I'm going to take you way back, Alan. And for those of you that are listening, like back when AOL used to send out dial-up discs. Oh, remember yeah. that? Oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. So I joined at the time, uh, our local cable company, which was called TCI, which became AT&T Broadband, which became Comcast, because this is in the early, like late 90s, early 2000s, right? Where the cable wars were starting to heat up, um, high-speed internet. Can you imagine at one point that I had a marketing budget to convince people they needed high-speed internet? Like, is that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> it's like so standard these days. But it was exciting though, right? Because this is where things like DVRs, video on demand, I mean, even just streaming was an idea, but not really being executed. And so it was a fun time to kind of be in that world, be in marketing, um, launching a lot of those fun kind of high tech things and spent some great time there and actually cut my teeth and learn a lot in that position. And then like everything else, you look for new opportunities. And uh, I had the, the pleasure of actually working for a uh, publishing company that was helping aspiring authors become self-published. Um, and again, at a time where, when I mean, you think about now how easy it is to self-publish, to put something on you know, Amazon and Kindle, back in the day, that was actually a little bit harder, right? It wasn't as easy. So 
that was a really fun. It really got me into the grassroots marketing, helping a lot of these authors who most of them are writing a book because they had, it was a, you know, a platform to something else they were doing. So it was really awesome to help work with them and help um, them market their business in addition to their, their book. Then I, one more jaunt before I got to Jane, I had the opportunity to work at KSL Classifieds. Um, and for people who aren't familiar with that, because it really is kind of a Utah thing, it is the largest media-owned marketplace in the country. And I was actually the general manager. And I really, at that point, fell in love with the marketplace business model. We had various verticals like general classifieds, cars, jobs, services. We actually, at a time, owned a competitor to Jane. So I was very much aware of Jane and what they were doing in the marketplace <laughs> because we were watching them like a hawk, for sure. And then uh, as they started to grow, like many companies, you know, as you kind of keep an eye on them, I actually lost an employee to Jane early on, who, by the way, now works for me again, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> but when they, I heard that they wanted someone to head up their marketing department, um, I was actually really excited because here was this company who was making a couple hundred million dollars a year had been profitable for its entire life, had thousands of customers, but no one had really heard of it. So I knew there was this opportunity to have some fun, build a stronger brand and really accelerate their growth. And now I'm at Jane. That's amazing. I can see the thread, like things, your entire career kind of built on itself, if you will, as the industry evolved, you know, internet became higher speed, you moved to media and publishing, and then into now like this whole new realm of a marketplace that's merging like influencers and all of that, all the various things that the internet made possible. So like you're riding the whole wave, if you will. Well, let's, let's talk about Jane and Jane.com. Like what, what is it for those that don't know what it is? Well, you know, if you're male, you might not know, but hopefully if you're female, you know, uh, Jane is actually a curated fashion marketplace. We bring together more than 2000 small and medium sellers and brands with thousands of products that drop daily. What's unique about us is that our products only last for 72 hours. So we offer various categories from stylish clothes, shoes, home decor, pets, even men's <laughs> that, you know, help customers obviously express their individuality at affordable prices. I mean, there's a lot going on that you've got the time sensitive component. You've got a lot of different sellers. So it's more, it's a marketplace as well, where you've got like a participation economy <laughs> in your site. Was it born just naturally like it is today or was it, was it, did it have another construct before it is what it is? It had a little bit of an evolution. When Jane first started, uh, if again, if you can go back, we've been in business now about 10 years when Groupon, right, was really rocking it with the daily deal stuff. They started it with, with just a deal of the day and offering, but in the fashion world. So, you know, it's like, hey, we've got this shirt, we've got 200 of them get them till they're gone. And this is what we're selling today. And tomorrow we may have shoes tomorrow. We may have sunglasses, like whatever it was, which worked really well and, and was a great launching pad for them to get started. But eventually um, in order to scale and grow, right. A marketplace seemed the natural fit to kind of make that happen. But what our customers love was that kind of shop utainment, right? The shop through discovery, not necessarily through search. So if you go to a typical commerce site, right. And you know what you're looking for. You're like, Hey, put in a pair of jeans. You'll go and you look for the jeans. A lot of our customers love to scroll and just love to find all the different things that we have to offer because they know that they're a limited time. And so because they are, every single day is a new experience at Jane. All of our deals drop at midnight mountain time. And so if you don't jump on that either at that time or first thing in the morning, you do risk not being able to get your size or the thing that you want with a lot of stuff selling out you know, on the first day. You've mentioned this before, but you're, you are targeting kind of the same coveted 
women consumers, like so many other companies. I mean, it's a crowded competitive marketplace. How how do you try to approach standing out and, and drive growth in that competitiveness? Oh, I love that question because marketing to women is very competitive and expensive. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a very, but you know, here's the thing. I mean, what's great about our Jane customer is that, you know, she'll buy an $80 pair of denim jeans, pair it with a $10 graphic tee, and then do a couple hundred dollar pre-loved luxury handbag, right? Like she loves a good deal. She loves affordability, but she also wants to be fashion forward. So, you know, like many companies, obviously we're providing fashion advice and trends and tips and things like that. But really the engaging pieces that really help set us apart are some of our memes. If you've ever been to our Instagram, some of our fun videos and opinion polls, it, we've really created with our consumer uh, a sense of connection. They want to know that, late, that latest deal. They're sharing with their friends. We're more human to her. It's like her best friend making a recommendation. And so we're always looking for those opportunities where we can kind of be involved in, in her conversation and, and Honestly, I feel like we're, especially right now in, in the world, right? That's where the real marketing is being done is right. Being a little more human and less sterile, if you will. You mentioned like the notion of shop utainment, and it sounds like you're like you're delivering on that through this engagement model that you have. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. It is. It seems like you've had a lot of success in different ways, right? Like how you engage this shop utainment, what's worked and what hasn't worked if you don't mind, like, could you characterize like what's working and what's not working? Before even we kind of get into this, it might be helpful to just talk about what's happening, I think, in social commerce, only just because that's when you talk about kind of these areas of success and where we've been able to kind of cut through with women, I think for us, that's a, that's a really big topic, at least for us in this last year. So let me just describe it for those who may not know what I'm talking about when I say social commerce, but uh, social commerce is where a customer would complete a sale on a social media platform versus necessarily maybe seeing something on social media and then you know you link over to your website and the transaction happens on your website. But for us, uh, social commerce has really been taking off for us this last year. Uh, we participated in a test with Facebook last July, working with them on their shopping platform. It's been pretty explosive for us to be real. I mean, since we did that, I would say November of holiday of last year, we've had like literally you know, 27 times the amount of growth that we expected to see using social commerce. It's actually pretty phenomenal. I was reading the other day, obviously, there's a lot of buzz around this right now. And I was reading a survey that said that like, 43% of Gen Z and 49% of millennials have already made a purchase directly from a social media platform. And that one third of Americans are planning to use a social media platform to buy products this year compared to last year, which We've seen that. Like that's that's where one of the things that we've really leaned into and, and being part of those Facebook tests have been exciting, but it's not necessarily about Facebook, right? Like social commerce is exploding, right? I think it was predicted that it's gonna be like a thirty-six billion industry or probably more. I mean, in China right now, live shopping is just huge. And we talk about that shop utainment, shoppable video ads are just continuing to rise in popularity, right? I mean, we've been doing them, but lots of uh, e-commerce places are are doing those right now. It's it's just crazy. I mean, even recently in the last couple of weeks, you've got Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram. They have all made major announcements about things that they're doing to their platforms to improve the experience for social commerce. It's been insane. It's coming from all channels almost. It's like every everyone's jumping into this game. And do you feel like what I'm just curious as you reflect on like the the 27x, you know, increase or what you expected? Is it just removing friction? Like, 
like I'm, I'm right in this scrolling stream. I like what I see and it's just so easy to buy right then and there. Do you think that's what's driving the, the dramatic increases or is there something else? Absolutely. No, I really do think it's about the friction point. I, I think really why it's been a little slow to take off. Um, I mean, it's been doing well is it's early adoption, right? Consumers are still a little hesitant to maybe turn over, turn over their credit card. And over, for example, as a brand, you've developed that trust, right? They're going to give you your credit card. But when Facebook's like, hey, give us your credit card, um, you know, for this brand, they may be a little bit like, mm, not sure if I want to do that. <laughs> right, right. Let me check the privacy policies on that. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. But so I think that, I mean, you know, I, I would predict this holiday season that uh, we're going to see consumers adapt a little quicker, especially with, you know, as you talked about the successes of working and what hasn't working, going into you know, these shoppable posts that you're going to see from a lot of retailers this holiday season from, I think, an increase in live shopping videos where people can watch and shop on the fly as well. I mean, those have worked well for us and we anticipate those even continuing to do better for us this holiday season. And then as I was talking about those announcements, uh, Facebook had mentioned their new affiliate uh, program about their creator shops and how uh, they want to make, I think, I can't remember exactly the quote, but it was something like, he wants to make a marketplace to connect influencers with brands. And so now you take this shopping portal that's happening on social commerce, and then you layer in affiliates, creators, influencers, whatever you want to call them. And now you take a, a program that I think for a lot of us marketers, it, we haven't seen the ROI. We haven't seen maybe the attribution that we've wanted to see from those particular channels. And now we will. Like social commerce is going to make that a little bit easier for us to see, you know, if a influencers posting something on their story, you know, how do we attribute that? How do we account for that sale? And now that's going to be something that's going to be a reality, you know, for many of these platforms in the next coming years. Just for folks that may or may not be familiar with it, like break down how you think about creators versus influencers versus affiliates. I know it may be basic to you, but for others might be just hearing how you think about the differences might actually be helpful to them too. We think about influencers um, as Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. People who are creating content, they typically uh, have placement fees where our affiliate program is primarily a commission model. Now, each of those, you know, have different goals. Uh, influencers are, have been, I should say that have been primarily, right, awareness, reach, and sessions, where affiliates are, you know, their metrics are revenue and ROAS, right? You're really specific when it comes to those. But what we've seen, right, in the last year or so is this, them coming together, and now they're called creators in some 
aspects. Some people will call them brand ambassadors, but they're people who are producing content, they're selling your product, they're promoting your brand. Some are getting back-end commissions, some are getting front-end. And they're both really important in lots of different ways. And we we have two distinct programs here at Jane to make sure that we're capturing all of that though. But with the changes that are being made, right? Like there are things that are going to happen that we're going to have to make sure we're bringing those together and thinking about how are we using that content that they're creating? Because influencer content, you know, is actually really great. If you haven't, just for your listeners, if they haven't tried that before or, or put together an influencer program, we've been really successful at reusing that content in many of our campaigns. Actually, last summer, it made it really easy with COVID, actually, because we couldn't do any photo shoots. It's an interesting model. And, and to your point about like how the platforms are changing to adapt to allow better tracking, better ROI analysis of each of these different models. Do you think it's going to net out where like you can pick and choose or you think there'll be an emerging leader at some point or is it too early to tell? I think it's too early to tell. I mean, clearly, you know, Facebook slash Instagram put a stake in the ground and said, you know, we want to help creators make money and we're going to help you do this. And I know it's been one of our challenges with social shopping and working with influencers is that we haven't been able to attribute, you know, clearly the sales that they're making where we can with a typical affiliate model and the way that they're placing their links. But we've seen that blend. We have a, um, an affiliate who would be a true affiliate who actually runs a Facebook group who acts like an influencer, creating content, engaging with her audience, you know, directly in Facebook. And I think for those creators and influencers, they're going to love this, right? Because they can really show the value back to the brands. I do think some influencers and creators will be a little frustrated because they probably were making some lucrative money. And now when they have to put you know money where their mouth is on those results, I think they may be a little frustrated when that comes to it. But I think it will even out right over time, not only just Facebook and Instagram, but you know, TikTok has already like they've said they're going to build out a marketplace to connect advertisers and creators as well. YouTube's doing it. I mean, even Clubhouse is trying to figure out how to monetize it with audio creators. Like it's we're all starting to see that happen. So being adaptable, I think, as a marketer and just understanding how that's going to best work for your business, you know, how you can lean into that, you know, successfully and just picking the right kind of relationship partners in whatever way that looks like for your business. The visuals are coming to mind for me. Like if I think about like a creator versus a affiliate, I think the the success of a creator, I, I don't know, this is just a, a thought that I've had as you were talking that creators could have a lot of impact if their audience wants and looks to them for that curation or wants to quote unquote be like them or wear what they're wearing. Whereas the affiliates, you know, in the purest sense, I think they're monetizing traffic, right? Like like they they already have a group of people that are coming to them and they're kind of trying to get the best attach rate with the things that they think they would like or engage with most impactfully. So like as I think about it, like this will probably make some unhappy and and some will really thrive in this environment. It probably depends largely on how well they know why their audience is their audience. Oh, very true. Well, and you'll separate out, I think what will be interesting too on the affiliate side is you're going to separate out what your loyalty and coupon affiliates, like your Bradsdales and your Honey and things like that. Well, they'll stay. I mean, they'll kind of stay in that realm, but but those who have been kind of crossing over, I would say the, the maybe the original affiliate bloggers, right? They now have a new audience on the social media networks, whatever network that they're participating in, right? And and I also think what's going to happen is where people have built big followings on maybe one network, I think you'll also see them branching into other networks and looking for those opportunities. 
as you think about social commerce and the experiences that you've had, like what advice would you have for other marketers thinking about either entering into that world or, or working with creators and influencers? My best advice right now would be to jump in. If you've been a little skeptical, which I honestly don't blame people, social media has been a hard channel to really get attribution and ROI out of. It's been more about, you know, engagement, followers, reach, but, but it's starting to change. I mean, for my team now, it is starting to be a performance channel. And while it's still young, uh, I'm optimistic for the future and, and really pushing my team. And I would encourage others, you know, just test and try. Like there's no harm in just kind of seeing what happens. And you're going to learn a lot of, along the way because we absolutely have. Like each time we do something, we are like, hmm. And we also, you, I mean, let's be honest, social media, people are going to let you know if they liked it or they didn't. So <laughs> there's a lot, of, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a lot of learnings in those comments for sure about what pe- people are looking for. So you know, just try those different approaches and see, you know, what resonates best with you. And um, as far as like influencers and affiliate program, you know, if you've never tried one, or you've been thinking about trying one, um, I would say now is a great time to start putting together one, or at least thinking about how you can leverage other people's audiences uh, and work in this kind of relationship economy, if you will, and think about how they could work with your business. Because as we said, there's going to be big changes coming and you're going to want to play in that arena and developing those relationships now are going to be critical because there'll be a lot more noise in the marketplace later. And so now would be the time to kind of jump in. It's been fascinating talking about social commerce and Jane and what you guys are up to um, and congrats on all the success. It sounds like a phenomenal rocket ship that you're riding over there. Thank you so much. It, it has been a lot of fun. It's, it's really cool in the business that we're in, especially working with all these amazing sellers and the things they bring. I mean, it's really cool to help, especially in this economy right now, helping those small businesses continue to stay in business. I want to switch gears and and we like to get to know the person behind the microphone even a little deeper than we have. We know you don't eat vegetables and fruits, uh, <laughs> but um, one of my favorite questions to ask uh, all the guests that come on is, you know, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Mine's kind of a big one. So don't, you know, don't want to bring any heaviness to the the, the great conversation we've been having. But uh, years ago, I was actually the victim of uh, domestic assault. And when you, as you look back, obviously, you, it's hard to believe that that was my life. That stuff only happens in movies or true crime podcasts, <laughs> but not really, not really to me, right? I mean, the person that you marry is really supposed to be the one that protects you, not harm you. And so while it doesn't define me for sure, it was a, it was a difficult time and my world was turned upside down. You know, I was now a single mom raising two girls, um, but I was really grateful actually for a strong actually career in marketing that kept both myself and my girls afloat during that time. And I mean, anyone who's gone through a divorce knows how devastating that can be, but the assault made things a little more complicated than I would have liked. But obviously, you know, as many can attest through, we've all gone through difficult things, right? You go through that pain um, and you come out the other side and, and you look at things differently and you know, now I can look back and I'm remarried to an amazing man and my girls and I have rebuilt an incredible life. And, you know, it's really fueled my strength and it's made me a better mother, a wife and friend and, and in my professional career, really a better leader. Because I think where I show up, especially at work every day to my employees is that I understand that life happens and that there's nothing more important sometimes in those moments than your family. I mean, jobs are important and sales targets are important, but Sometimes uh, employees just need to know that like, they can go be with their family for that moment and, and take the time that they need and definitely made me a better leader from that. But it, yeah, it's, it was kind of a rough ride, but things are good now. Thank you for sharing. It's always important, I think, for people to, to know that this happens to everybody. Like, it, not, it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens so much, right? It right? It's, yeah. it's, it's wildly prevalent. Um, I mean, I haven't 
had the gone through a situation like you, but my, actually my grandmother was a, a victim of domestic violence as well. And, um, ended up getting divorced, uh, you know, in the sixties and ra- raising my mom and her brother as a single mom as well. And, and so I, 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 I guess the right word is I, I can be empathetic. I, I don't, I don't understand the situation, but I hugely respect people that can come out on the other end of that. And to your point, like thrive and, um, and so kudos and, and, and wow, are you a strong person? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it, it really is more, well, especially to some of the statistics coming out of COVID, it really is kind of scary what's kind of been happening in our world, but definitely, you know, if anyone is listening, going through that is, it is hard, but there, there's hope for sure. And I'm grateful for where I am today for sure. Well, again, thank you for sharing. What advice, if you were starting this career journey all over again, life journey, maybe, what what advice would you give your younger self? Um, don't pick marketing. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, I definitely love that career. I, I would say the biggest uh, thing I would give to my younger self is if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing something interesting. Because there's always that pressure to be perfect. And especially coming up in your career, you you want your employer, you know, you want your boss or your manager to see you in like the best light. But sometimes we're so worried about being perfect. And I can say that because that was me coming up through my career that I probably played it safe more than I should have. Because really, obviously, as I've gotten older and, and that gained that experience is that great marketers stand out, uh, don't stand out if they play it safe. It's the ones that are, you know, really moving the needle. And so I think if you can learn that a little bit younger than I learned it, you'd be uh, doing yourself a favor. Is there a, a topic you think or you believe marketers need to be learning more about or you're trying to learn more about? I think right now, like we talked about with what's happening with social commerce, I think a lot of marketers need to be paying attention to what's happening. So, you know, they're not kind of caught behind the ball, if you will, at least start preparing. I mean, obviously, we're early to this game and there's a lot of learnings to be had both on the social platform side, on the brand side, and, and obviously on the consumer side too. But they should definitely be um, trying to catch up and see, like I said, if it makes sense for their business and if they're ready, at least testing into a few things. Curious if, how you think about this, but like it, as I think about social commerce, it's the platform to monetize audiences, to monetize your influencers' influence or creators' eye for what's coming next and what people want. I, I also think about it for you know the big traditional advertisers, how they reach their audience gets disrupted. I think there's a huge opportunity for them to turn to creators as well. And if you just think about, you know, I'll just take social commerce as a channel, you know, TV is a communication channel, right? But TV is moving to streaming channels and and streaming without ads and streaming with ads. And it's a, it's kind of the same disruption, I think, to some degree. And I think there's a, there's an interesting opportunity and maybe an analogous opportunity maybe between what's happening with social commerce and what's happening with like the big mass communication channels and, and the need for experimentation with creators. Every day, right? There's new creators developing new and interesting ways. I mean, TikTok has shown us, right? Like <laughs> there's been a lot of interesting creators coming out of there and, and some controversy as well. But again, everyone's kind of learning what's working, what's not, how to cut through and you got to test and try. Because stay, playing it safe, I mean, I'll just throw this out here for anyone right now who maybe is playing in, you know, the paid paid ads or search display or all that, right? Like that was that was the thing many years ago, right? Like that's how we how we got and, and things are evolving now. And so even though that may be working, costs are rising, other things are kind of creating barriers to that. So, you know, how could you lean into or play in another sandbox that may, you know, deliver you some new results and get you some new customers? 
Two more questions for you. Uh, curious if there's on a personal note, like brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? That's a hard question for me because I, I'm i a student of cool marketing campaigns. Like I, there's so many, uh, well, your podcast being one of them, but so many podcasts and newsletters and, and things that I'm, I'm just a sponge for what cool things and other marketers are doing. It's, it's exciting to see what they're doing. But I would say maybe no one's even heard of this company. Uh, it's called Summer Salt and it's not like a summer salt, but actually summer and the salt you would put on your food. So summersalt.com. What's interesting because obviously Jane is a fashion brand and, and we work a lot with women. What I love about what they are doing is that their incredible use of body image is ingrained in their brand. Their cover models are of all sizes, all ethnicities. You know, some have missing a leg or they've done like there's all it's it's just amazing the diversity that they bring and one of their uh, taglines they use, which I just love, um, says, let's be real. We make the swimsuits, but you make them look good. And I just think, I just think that's really cool, especially with a lot of women, you know, having some of the, the body issues they do, instilling that sense of confidence because no women, especially now it being summer, right? We all sometimes don't feel as confident as we want to in our, in our swimming suit. So they've taken just this different approach, which I really love to empower these women to just, hey, it doesn't matter how you look, get in that swimsuit, go have fun. And let that be done. So they're they're a cool one to kind of watch. Oddly enough, like I have heard of them, and it's because my my wife recently ordered a swimsuit <laughs> as we we're going into the summer months here. So yeah, that's uh, funny. That's really funny. Last question for you. I'm curious if there. What do you think the largest opportunity or threat to marketers is today? And may, and we may have already covered it, but just want to ask. Actually, just reiterate what I kind of said earlier, which is like playing it safe and not adapting fast enough obviously in marketing, there's always the next gizmo and gadget or things that, you know, people are trying to kind of get us to do to help get new audiences, but testing and trying and learning new things. One of the, my team will attest to this is the most important question I always ask after we try something new is what did you learn? Because as marketers, right, that we're always learning and testing and adapting. So I, I think the threat is just continuing to play it safe, especially in a world that is being disrupted. And well, at least in my world, I'm well, many industries are being disrupted right now. It's quite the world. But in fashion, retail, what's happening and, and the ability to stand out, you just, you know, the same old stuff is what got you here today is definitely not going to get you where you need to go in the next couple of years. And so take some risks. It's fun. Risks are fun. <laughs> Well, that's a great place. That's a great place to leave it. Uh, Megan, it's been great to talk to you. And uh, we'll remember risk is fun. Risk is fun. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. And thanks for the time today. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.